good before him and others uh, strictly based on your ability to follow the law. And of course, this would be talking about biblical law. It is derived specifically from the Bible, which is what makes it Christian. It would contend that one can earn favor or blessing or salvation based on the things that they do. And one of the best examples of, of you know, a Christian legalist, or I guess it would be Jewish legalists, would be the Pharisees. And we see in Matthew 12, uh, Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees are not happy about it. They actually begin to plot against Jesus because of it. And they say, the law says that you are not allowed to be out here doing works on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, well, what I'm doing is good. Do you think you know, my father is not being glorified through this? Do you think this has not been official? So the Pharisees are removing the context around what Jesus is doing. They're removing the heart from it, and they're just focusing only on the law. Okay. So what are some examples of the law that we see in the Bible, or, or things that Christians might focus on too much? Um, we see in Exodus 20, um, it has the Ten Commandments one of the best examples of the law. In Leviticus 5, 17 through 19, it talks about the guilt offering for the forgiveness of unintentional sin. In Leviticus 11, it talks about clean and unclean foods, and one of the specific ones that stands out is uh, not eating pigs, which is something that we commonly do. So kind of what we learn from these examples of the law is, you know, even though they're in there for a reason, you know, we are unable to follow them perfectly. And that doesn't mean the things God tells us to do are unimportant. We'll get to that. But we are unable to perfectly follow the law. We just are not able to. I'm sure most of us have never even really given an offering for any of our sins. Um, that's what Jesus is for. But we aren't able to follow the law. right? So what is discipline? Switching sides here. Discipline is the acquisition and exercise of healthy and productive habits that are formed to outlast circumstance. And what I mean by outlast circumstance is that even when we are feeling unmotivated, we don't want to do something, when the situation makes it hard, or when we're being opposed to what we want to do, these are habits that still prevail through all of that. And it's not just the habits themselves, but it's the process. It's the devotion to forming these habits. It's part of being disciplined. And some examples would be you know, professional athletes. You could think of CEOs and billionaires who are disciplined in what they do. Or the military is a great example in which they wake up at a specific time, have a, you know, a, a good routine and schedule. They go through physical training. They have to make their bed. They have to dress a certain way. All of this is part of being disciplined to serve a greater cause. So what is Christian discipline? In 2 John 1.6, it says, And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. And John 14.15 says, If you love me, keep my commands. So Christian discipline is a devotion of oneself to doing good out of love and as a response to Jesus. It's basically regular discipline, but it's applied biblically, hence why it's Christian discipline. Um, but it also has some, a few additional necessities about it that really separates it from both regular discipline as well as legalism. So Christian discipline is spirit-led. Because we are sinners in nature and in the very core of who we are, 
we want to rebel against God, we need a stronger, higher, transcendent power, that of the Holy Spirit, to help us be disciplined in the way that God calls us to be. It is motivated by love for God as well as love for others, and it is done for the glory of God. Christian discipline is often expressed through the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and as well as other God-glorifying habits such as prayer, worship, reading the Bible, going to church, devotion of your time to God, service, and things along that line, that nature. So what do these two look like compared to one another in practice? First Chronicles 28.9 uh, says, And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. So essentially, to us, legalism and Christian discipline would look nearly the exact same in practice. But we have to understand that God sees the heart. Right? So what is the motivation and what is the why behind the things that you're doing? Are you doing it to get recognition? Are you doing it for yourself? Are you doing it just so that you can, you can say that you, you know, are good? Or are you doing it for the glory of God? Because God has called you to something and you are grateful for the mercy that God has shown you. Because in reality, it takes discipline to be a legalist. The Pharisees were some of the most religious or disciplined religious people in history. However, their hearts were far from the Father. And that is where the issue comes in, and that is one of the big separations. So how else do they contrast? Well, we read in Titus chapter 3, um, that, that gave us some good insight and you know, good I guess, preview of what we're going to cover here. As well as I have a quote from Charlie Dates, from Pastor Charlie Dates, in, uh, uh, he pastors a church in Chicago. He says that mercy and merit don't mix. And it's simple, it's concise, but... It's exactly to the point, and it's completely true, right? Now we see that God has called us to do good things, but we are not saved by the things we, do, we have done. We're not saved by righteousness. We're saved because of mercy through the washing and, and rebirth um, through Jesus Christ, right? Legalism is proactive, and discipline is reactive. And what I mean by that, um, the, the proactive, proactiveness, I don't know if that's the word, proactive, uh, proactive nature, I guess, of legalism is that we do things, you know, we follow the law, we do things in hope that God responds to that and sees us as worthy or as good or favorable, whatever. Discipline is reactive because it says God has done something good. God is good. I'm thankful for the mercy God has shown me through Jesus. And because of that, I'm going to try to honor and glorify him through my actions. Legalism exalts oneself, but discipline exalts God. Legalism is about the rules you follow, and discipline is about who you follow. So all these can kind of be grouped into two categories, and the major differences. One is man-centered, and one is God-centered. Right, so why is legalism wrong? I kind of just covered it in the ways that it opposes Christian discipline, and it's selfish. But we'll do some reading from Galatians 2 as well as Ephesians 2. Galatians 2 verse 16, it says, Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. 
So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. And then in verse 21 it says, I did not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. And then Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, which I encourage you guys to pay attention to this verse. I have used it in three videos in a row. It's very important. It applies to a lot. It is, it says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So legalism removes the context from the do's and don'ts, right? It takes, takes away from the things that the Bible says. And when you remove context from the Bible, that is a bad thing. You have to take this for what it is. It is a complete unified story um, that, that all works in unison with one another to tell a complete truth. So when you're only taking bits and pieces, you're not going to get the full story. It ignores the gospel and sets aside grace, as it says in verse 21 of Galatians chapter 2. It takes a very prideful view on salvation and justification. Now it says that we can do it ourselves. But it says clearly that by the works of the law, no one will be justified. And again, as it says in Galatians 2.21, that legalism and our own focus on our ability to follow the law implies that Christ died for nothing because we can do it ourselves. And Jesus opposes legalism all throughout his ministry, but a um, specific example I'm going to use is during the Sermon on the Mount. And if Jesus opposes your belief or what you were saying, sorry about it, you're wrong. So if you want a quick answer to why is legalism wrong, Jesus opposes it, it's wrong. Um, but Jesus breaks things down and says that it's not as much about the do's and the don'ts. It's not about the things that you do, but it's about the heart. Um, he mentions that if you look upon somebody with lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. He says that, that if you were harboring anger against a brother or a sister, then that's seen as equal as murder. And it's all these things that may not be the actions that all these people have become focused on and, and that we have become focused on, but it becomes about the heart. And that's one of the most important things. Like we said, God searches the heart. So Jesus opposes legalism. So why should we be disciplined? I said it at the very beginning of this video, discipline is good. So why should we? 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8 say, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So discipline helps us become more godly people. That should be a goal of everyone, more specifically, that should be a goal of Christians. It has value for both the life we are living here on earth and the eternal life that we will have in heaven. So it says, you know, it compares it to physical training in 1 Timothy. It compares it to physical training and says that the value of training in godliness outweighs the value of physical training. So think about, you know, what comes to my mind is Tom Brady, who I think at this point even from someone who is from Indiana and went to UT. Um, big Peyton Manning fan. Tom Brady is the GOAT. Sorry about it. 
He has seven rings to back that up. But you know, what, what value does Tom Brady's physical training has? Well, here he is at age 65, already you know, getting Social Security, still playing football, and winning rings. I don't know how old he is. He's, like, I don't know, 43 or something like that. But here he is. He's, he's at his seventh ring. Um, he's the best football player of all time. He has a bunch of money. And, you know, there, there's value to his physical training. He has all gotten that through being a disciplined athlete, right? So think about all that value that, you know, we see in Tom Brady's life from his discipline as an athlete. And think about how much more value we're getting, you know, that, that is being produced through our training godliness, through our spiritual training, through our Christian discipline. Christian discipline exalts God and it glorifies Him. And then another kind of big why is that simply that we are called to be disciplined. If we are called to be disciplined and we have our faith in God, He calls us to do something, we should do it. We should understand it's important. And uh, although discipline is good and it's important and we should strive to be disciplined Christians, I do want to make it clear that discipline does not equate to salvation. We are not saved through discipline. We are saved through faith in Jesus alone. So how is legalism harmful to us? In Galatians 3, 10 through 11, it says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God, because the righteous will live by faith. So we either fully rely on our works of the law, or we rely fully on God. Right? Legalism leads to condemnation. As, as it says here, anyone who relies on the book of the law, you know, if they rely on it, they have to do everything in it. And they're cursed if they do not. So essentially, legalism will lead to hell. Legalism is very prideful, it's man-centered, and it's rejecting of the gospel. If it's rejecting of the gospel, it is a problem, it is wrong, it is harmful to us. We will not be justified. We will be cast away before the Father. It also builds hypocrisy. It kind of is that stereotypical Christian hypocrite who you know, talks about all the good things that they can do or that they're supposed to do or tries to get other people to do, but they don't do it themselves. So it builds that hypocrisy and kind of just feeds into that stereotype of the church and us as Christians. So overall, we have seen what is essentially legalism bad, discipline good. Um, discipline is a response to mercy. It is a response to the mercy that we have been shown from God through Jesus Christ. And it is done for the glory of God. It is done with a heart set on the Father, which is a wonderful, beautiful, great thing. Legalism, on the other hand, is done for our own merit. It is done to gain standing, to say that we have done good, we are capable of good, and that we in ourselves are wonderful at following the law. It makes us look good. Um, so it is a problem. But nevertheless, we are called to do things. God has called us to devote ourselves to doing what is good. Right? So we are supposed to live this out. So I encourage you guys, as you go out into your weeks, into your lives, to go and do good with a heart set on the Father, to glorify God. So everyone have a great week. Hope to see you guys again next week. Love y'all. Bye.